Welcome to the Unfuck Your Health Podcast, where we get into all things training, nutrition, mindset, and help you unfuck your health. I'm your host, Brevin Jandrew. Let's get into it. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Roundtable. Hope you guys are doing well. Brevin, what's up, man? Not a whole lot. Finally enjoying the warm weather, warm-ish weather. I lied. It's not that warm, but it's sunny out in Michigan. Well, I don't know about you, but I know you haven't been outside yet today. I went to the gym this morning at six o'clock and it was 26 outside. So psychopath. It looks really <laughs> nice from in here. Katie's sitting there basking in the sun right now. <laughs> it does. It, it is warming up out there now, but this morning when I walked out there, it was cold. Um, That's what you get for going to the gym so early, psycho. Hey, that, I that am 100% in afternoon mid-morning on like a Saturday workout kind of person, not a 6 a.m. Well, you will never catch me working out at 6 a.m. unless I absolutely have to. <laughs> the only time I really haven't, the only time I haven't been like really liking early morning workouts is when I've been lifting heavier recently just because I want to make sure I have time to fuel up beforehand. Uh-huh. Um, you know, normally like a normal-ish workout, even if it's a little bit heavy, if if I you know had a good nutrition the day before i'm fine but if it's a really heavy workout i want to make sure i have plenty of time to get in some food i mean you know me i love my breakfast i don't like to work out on an empty stomach food for you like your feet hit the floor and you are like breakfast <laughs> hungry man i get it i get it all right well we got we got really good questions and um we also wanted to mention we're going to change things up just a hair nothing really for you guys but just like expectations from the show um we have been getting a good bit more questions which we love keep those coming thank you so much um we are going to start kind of like putting a time limit on these podcasts around like 30 ish minutes yeah chase um, just talks because, way too much um, <laughs> i think you know I'll, I'll let the listeners decide that <laughs> <laughs> i think this is the brevin show with chase as a guest that just kind of pipes in every <laughs> once in a while <laughs> i've loved um, to say you know, man no, I, I get it. I get it. And a lot of good things to say. So we're going to um, once we get to like the like, you know, uh, after we finish the question, if we're getting too close to 30 minute mark, we'll kind of wrap it up. And if it's a really good question, we'll dive in. So there'll be somewhere, give or take around 30 ish minutes, because um, we also know a lot of you guys listen to it on commutes or walks and things like that. So that 30 minute is like that sweet spot for a lot of you guys to listen to the episodes. So. We also, even if we don't answer your question on this specific podcast, we will answer it on the next one. They will all get answered at some point. Yes. Thank you for bringing that. I meant to mention that as well. Yes. Because like I said, we we have like close to like six, seven questions now, and we're not going to get through all of them today more than likely. So um, we will see. Actually, I can almost guarantee we're not going to get through them all because somebody likes to talk too much. And that's somebody may or may not be me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Our, our first questions are a little bit interesting. This is the first time, like when this one popped up, we were like, huh, okay. Like we've never really been asked this. And I think it's a really kind of just a cool conversation because I mean, you guys listen to us talk, you know, every week about all these Q and A's and such like that. So you kind of gotten a feeling of like, you know, way we think and the way we talk and our personalities and such like that. But someone asked like, what's the difference between working with one of you over the other? And I really like this question. Um, you know, we were chatting a little bit before this about this question and kind of like how we want to answer this, like just because like really there's a lot of things that are similar as well. Yeah, I think there are more um, things that are, you like take them off. Yeah, I think there are more things that are similar about what we do um, and, and who we are and, and in fitness especially than there are different. I think the 
ideals that we have as far as dieting, training, mindset, inner work. Um, we all we're we're both very, very on the same wavelength there. Um, we we agree on a lot of the same things, which is why it works out that we are roommates and friends, because it would be really hard to be in this close quarters with a business and coaching if we had completely different ideals about what went into coaching. So I think we're very similar on that front. I think the biggest thing, and we were just talking about this before the show that, that kind of comes through is just our personalities. Um, so like the way that I might present information, it could be the exact same information, the way I present the information and the way you present the information might be slightly different. It might come off in a different tone. It might be presented in a different way. Your personality is going to show through my personality is going to show through. So I think it really comes down to who, who you resonate with more, um, no hard feelings to either. Um, we, we did this podcast knowing that there's a potential that we will be passing people back and forth. Someone from my environment might come in here and be like, damn, that dude sucks. But Chase is cool. That dude, I really <laughs> like him. And then there might be the other way. We're like, damn, Chase sucks. But the other dude, that guy is awesome. He's got a really cool cat. So I want to work with him. And we're, we were totally fine with that. I mean, that, that's exactly what you expect getting into a, a round table like this. Our, our goal with this wasn't to sell anyone anyways. Um, I always tell people like, yes, I own a business. Yes, I use this business to make money and pay bills, but I'm not a salesman. I, I don't, I'm a coach. So like we started sales. this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we, we started this podcast, not as a sales tactic. We started this podcast to answer questions because, and we've been talking about this a lot lately. There's so much in the fitness industry that we just absolutely despise that it's like, oh my God, how is that? Like, how are you using that? Like, that's so unethical in our opinion to sell that way or to talk about that stuff, to get people to buy your product. And we started this podcast to, to kind of give the best information that we possibly could to help you on your fitness journey. Um, essentially just to help you when we, where we wish that we would have had help when we first started. So it really just comes down to our personality. I think is the biggest difference for us. Of, of yeah, course, and, I went and on you a know, little tangent. It's all right. No, it's awesome. I, I agree with all that. And, you know, a couple other like little differences that again, like these really, really don't like reflect much on our, um, like training styles and but i do know there are some people out there that are like you know that some people do, do care i do think a lot of people put a little too much emphasis on this but we do have a little different education backgrounds as well um you know you have an exercise science degree um i have a registered nurse background so you know we both like come from different backgrounds but both like in like the health background i should say um and you, you know you've done some in-person you still do in-person training um i have not done in-person training um so like we have a little bit of differences there um, but no, I, like you said, it really does come to personality. I, I feel like, um, you know, we, like you said, we both get this message apart. Um, I may take a little bit of softer approach for some people, <laughs> but, uh, overall, like we do have the, uh, same, same, same approach for a lot of these things. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and I, yeah, we do have a couple different background, but we also is again, as different as our background may be, may be, we also have a very similar past in our fitness journeys. We've both started yeah. from overweight, binge eating, struggling with that to going through a, a large weight loss to then getting into coaching and powerlifting and all this kind of stuff. So like our trajectory that way is very similar as well. So I think again, it just, it really comes down to, um, 
are we talk about this we were joking about this a lot in the past couple of weeks is like our enneagram <laughs> types um chase is a two <laughs> every a single day. two <laughs> yeah, if you don't know what these are go look them up um whatever that it'll make a is, lot of you can sense. tell them um <laughs> chase is a two and i'm between an eight and a three it depends on the day Yes, it very much does. <laughs> There's something to come out and say the three, and I'm like, that's Revan. Something's to come out that a three. I'm like, nope, not at all. And the same thing with eight. Um, but no, I, I agree. And really, it's just gonna come down like, who do you vibe with? Like, it's just I'm. I've always said like, you know, find someone you really enjoy talking to. Like, who do you love having a conversation with? Like that. Like, yeah. it, like yes, the knowledge and the background is important, but none of that really matters unless you actually connect with your coach. And that's like, one you thing that you and that I have been having a conversation about is like, you can have all the knowledge in the world. You can be the smartest person ever, but this job really comes down to, can you coach an individual? And that is where I think I truly believe that we separate ourselves in, in the fitness industry is there are a lot of very smart people and we're probably not even the two of the smartest people for sure. We're not. There's definitely smarter people nope. than us, but I feel like we relate and can coach the individual better than a lot of other people. And I will put my stamp on that any day. Um, One yeah, other way, I guess it, we can kind of take this too, is like, who do you really, really, we, we will work with everyone. We enjoy working with mm -hmm. everyone, but like, are there specific people that you, you really, really enjoy working with? Yeah. You know, I, I, I like to look at, like, I love helping those who came from a very similar background that I did. And again, like, you know, just to reiterate what you just said, like I'll work with, I have a very wide variety of clients that I work with. Um, I have one male on the team and then all other are women. Um, you know, a lot of them have, you know, over a hundred pounds to lose. And I really enjoy helping those that need to have a large amount of weight to lose and working on that mindset piece, really taking a focus on nutrition. Um, I think the, probably the biggest differentiator of us is a lot of mine are either working out at home. Some aren't even working out just yet. Maybe we're just working on walking. And I know you really enjoy the fitness aspect, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that comes from my personal training background is I, I really enjoy someone who, and, and they might be a brand new beginner. I have clients who've never stepped foot into a gym, but someone who wants to get into strength training in some aspect, even if it's only one or two days a week, someone who wants to do that. I think I also enjoy working with very similar people, people who have, who come from a similar background to us, who want to lose weight, who have been struggling, who have been through the ringer and the diet industry and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest difference is a lot of your, your clientele right now, and not that you don't enjoy working with people who want to go to the gym. You love doing that as well. I just, I oh, love, love the, I, I'm a nerd. I'm a huge nerd period. No, I'm just kidding. I'm a huge nerd for the, the training side of things. So I like, um, working with people who, who want to learn and evolve in the gym. Yeah. If anyone loves nerding out on like, uh, like the biomechanics and things like that, get, just ask Brevin a question and I'll see you in a couple of years. Yeah, Chase, sometimes <laughs> but... we'll be talking about a topic and I'm like, damn, I've been talking for 20 minutes. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> all right. Not a big deal. Well, let's move on to the next question because we are already 11 minutes into this podcast. <laughs> we might get through one or two questions of every show if we turn on the 30 minute thing. Um, but second question, um, actually, I'll let you take that one from here. <laughs> on weeks where you're not feeling it, what's the bare minimum things that you can do? I think this is a great question. I'll let you start with it though. Yeah. And so I, I do really love this question. This is actually something that I like to like look at for like day one. Because 
a lot of people, yes, when you first get started, you were going to be super motivated. You're going to feel great. Yes, I'm starting my diet. I'm starting my new workouts. I'm starting out everything. Things are going fantastic. I'm excited to do these things. But we both know that there is always going to be that day or that time when you don't want to do what you are supposed to do, right? There are going to be the weeks when you're not feeling great. You're not either either motivation-wise, maybe you're not physically feeling great, like you know, not recovered very well, not sleeping well. Maybe you have a little bit of illness going on. And so it's really important to identify that bare minimum. And this is something that uh, Brevin and I both talk a lot about, and this is finding your floor. And this concept of finding your floor goes back to what are those two to three things that you can do on your hardest, worst week? Because a lot of times, if if you ask anybody like, hey, what are your goals this week? They're going to say, oh, I'm going to work out four days this week. I'm going to you know, do this and that. I'm going to eat perfect. I'm going to have my protein. You have 200 grams of protein every single day. I'm going to get all my fiber in. I'm going to get all my vegetables in and you know, this long list of things. Fantastic. I love that. If you can do that, let's freaking go. But my guess is that is probably your ceiling. And what I mean by that is that is what you can do on your best week. So what happens when you have the worst week? That's where we need to find your floor. So identify what are those two to three things, not four, two to three things that you can do on your worst week that is almost so easy, you can't not do them. So like, actually, Brevin, like what would be a couple of examples that you would encourage someone to think about for like their floor items? Yeah. And I think the really cool part about that is, is uh, there's not a right or wrong answer. So it can be it can be completely yep. individual for each person. So it could be tracking your calories, hitting a protein goal, hitting a step goal, um, adding two to three servings of fruits and veggies, um, hitting a water goal, sleeping eight hours, um, giving yourself five minutes a day for stress relief. There, there's so many different things. And I think you you nailed a lot of things really perfect there. Um, what it really comes down to is like so many people view this as like, and I like to think of it as like New Year's resolution. New Year's resolution, January yeah. 1, people are like, I'm going to go to the gym six days a week. I'm not going to eat anything bad. I'm going to they list off like six different things. And like they do it for for three or four weeks and then something happens in life and they can't do one of those things or they can't do any of those things and they fall off. And that's why New Year's resolutions suck for the most part. But if they just instead on January 1st were like, I'm going to hit a protein goal, track my calories and walk for 20 minutes every day. You can walk more than 20 minutes every day, but have a minimum of like 20 minutes. Hell, I don't care if it's 10 minutes a day. And then you start to five. do, yeah, <laughs> whatever's going to be realistic for you. And that's where the individuality of this comes in mm -hmm. is like, for someone who's moving all the time, all day long, well, a 30-minute walk is nothing. For someone who's doing absolutely nothing, a five-minute walk is a lot for you. Great. Have a minimum of five-minute walking. You can do 20 or 30. Hell, you can do an hour, but a minimum. Yep. It should start out easy. This is exactly what we want because our goal going forward is to stack wins, is to continually build momentum, not motivation, momentum through stacking wins reinforcing the new identity of the person you're trying to become and then adding new steps. So once you get really consistent with those two to three things that you set for yourself, then we can add one to two more. They get really consistent with those. And next thing you know, two or three months later, your floor is now where your ceiling used to be. And that's how you make progress. It starts out really, really slow, moving forward in the right direction every single day, just enough to move the needle forward. And the next thing you know, you're moving further and further and further because it's not the moving slow 
that's causing you to struggle. It's the stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. It's the constant falling off. So if you just always move in the right direction, it's just a matter of time. Yep. And and that's something, you know, you, you mentioned the point of, you know, building momentum and stacking wins and, and changing your identity. And guys, the reason we're doing this is because how many diets have you tried and you failed, right? You are so conditioned to fail at another diet that you are going into it already expecting to fail. I know like when I, when I first started my weight loss journey in 2019, when my coworker challenged me to this, to the weight loss challenge, I honestly went into it like, okay, cool. This would be fun. Thinking in the back of my mind, this would be another two to month, two to three months at max most thing that'll happen. And then I'll just gain more weight again. Like that's just, I went into it thinking that. And so I had to start proving to myself that I was capable. I was able to win every single day because again, if you set your minimum really low, you're able to stack those wins a lot easier versus if you're trying to consider a win, what you're doing on your best weeks. Yeah. And it's not even um, about like making these massive steps forward. It's just about one small step forward every single day. And you might not even be thinking like, like you said, you went into it thinking I'm going to fail. You might not even necessarily know that you're doing that, that you might, that might be subconscious for you, but Mm -hmm. you constantly identify as the person who struggles. You identify as the person who falls off, who can't do it as all of these things. So that's who you show up for yourself as and fall off again. Yep. I just reinforced that identity again. That's who I am. And that vicious cycle starts to go. And that's where you see yo-yo dieting for years and years and years. Yep, exactly. Awesome. Number three is what are some cheat code ways to get fiber into your diet? I love this. I'm going to make this. I I love the question because fiber is so important and I don't think it's talked about enough, Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to make this really, really easy. Eat more fruits and veggies, period. Done. Uh, I don't necessarily think about it as like a cheat code um, or like let's hack our way into getting more fiber. Let's just eat more fruits and veggies. Those have a ton of fiber in them. Yes, there's other ways to get fiber, but if you eat more fruits and veggies, you're getting more micronutrients in, you're getting more fiber in, you're going to be well on your way to doing that. And I guarantee for 90% of us, that is more fiber than you're getting right now. And that's again, part of the, let's start to raise our floor. You don't have to jump from three grams of fiber every day to like 30. Let's just get more than we're getting now. Let's start to build on that. It doesn't have to be zero to a hundred right now. We can go zero to 10, zero to a hundred, zero to a hundred is where you start to struggle. So just add more fruits and veggies. Yeah. And I would also, and I want to add two things to that. Um, one, first I would say, you know, be mindful of how quickly you're increasing your fiber. Your gut may or may not be happy with you. If you go from eating, you know, five grams of fiber a day to 25 every day or 30, you finna be pooping. Yeah, yeah, you go, you go, and not be feeling super great. You're gonna have the rubble, rubble guts. Um, so, so I did want to actually, I just pulled up a uh, one of my resources that I have that I give out to a lot of people with like some high fiber foods. Now I was just kind of scrolling through it to give like some like ideas, like things that have like a lot of fiber in them. Um, half avocado, six point seven grams of fiber. Um, blackberries and raspberries have close to eight grams of fiber for one cup, and we both know like those are very low calorie as well. Um, a cup of collard greens, 7.6 grams of fiber. Um, beans are also really good. Beans and edamame, you know, eight grams per cup. Um, 
acorn squash, nine grams per cup. Um, I mean, like, so like there are things that you can find that are more high fiber. Um, so if you are struggling to get your fiber in, um, there are a few feeds that are a little bit higher, but like Brian said, don't overcomplicate it. Don't overthink it. Just get some more fruits and veggies in some whole grains and focus on that right now. Um, and you will start noticing some improvements in digestion and also fiber is great because it helps keep you fuller for longer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I will say one little caveat. If you are trying to add more fiber into your um, routine and you are somebody who works out a lot, try to avoid getting a ton of fiber right for your workout. So it's not sitting in your gut when you go to work out. Yes, that's a fantastic point. And and like you said, I think we've kind of covered everything at this point. Um, the biggest thing is, is there's a lot of us who are listening to this podcast. There are a lot of us who are trying on their fitness journey who are eating zero servings of fruits and veggies per day. So like, let's start to aim for two to three servings of fruits and veggies and we'll go from there. Then we can start to yep. be like, hey, well, how can I increase it from here now? Let's start yep, small exactly. and let's start to build wins there. Yep, exactly. And guys, if you um, want that little fiber food sheet that I was talking about, let me know. Just give me a message and I'd be happy to send that to you guys as well. Um, Sweet. Number four, Brad, what you got? What's the perfect amount of resistance training to do to build muscle mass? I love this I question. Like this question is right up your alley. <laughs> yes, I, this is a question that I could definitely nerd out on. I will try to minimize my rant on this. Um, you got nine so, minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so when we look at resistance training, um, we have to ask ourselves a couple questions. What are you doing right now? Um, what, what's like your volume intensity frequency kind of stuff right now? And what's actually realistic for you. And the cool thing about resistance training, especially when your goal is hypertrophy, um, hypertrophy is building muscle mass. Um, so if you hear me say hypertrophy, that's just the nerdy way of saying build muscle. Um, so when we talk about like hypertrophy training, there's not a right or wrong. You don't have to train five or six days a week. Uh, most of my clients train no more than four days a week. I have clients that train two days a week. I have clients that train four. I have some clients that train five. Um, but with resistance training, the really, really cool thing is, um, it really comes down to, um, just a couple, I'm actually making a post on this today. Um, I was just writing it up before on like the three things you're, you're missing to, uh, maximize your resistance training or whatever the hell I called it. Um, your intensity, so intensity or your proximity to failure, how close you're training to failure is going to be the main driver of hypertrophy. That is going to be the number one thing we look at to see how close or how much muscle you're actually going to build. So we look at the, um, stimulus or not the stimulus to fatigue ratio. That's a different thing. Um, we look at the, um, stress recovery adaptation model of progression. So we have to apply a stress, which is resistance training. It's lifting weights. We then have to recover from that stress. And then we adapt to that stress in the form of building muscle. So we have to look at both sides of that. Are we adding enough stress to the muscle? Um, are we training hard enough? Most of the time I find that that is a no. So we can train a little bit harder. Now you don't have to be the person in the gym who's like screaming and grunting and like just (laughs) yelling, being an asshole. Like you don't have to do that. I train super hard in the gym and I train relatively quietly. Um, So how close are you training to failure? Generally want to be zero to three reps in reserve. Most of my chases, give me a look. Most of my outbursts in the gym are singing or dancing or headbanging. Yeah. If some Kawachi comes on, it's all gone. I can't, I can't (laughs) help that. Um, so (laughs) now that now we can say we're applying enough of a stress to that muscle, that's adequate. We're training within zero to three reps in reserve. And now if you're, you're brand new into training, that gaps a little bit wider. Um, but again, that's where it becomes super individual, how hard you need to be training, but 
almost always you can train harder. Um, we also have to look at volume. So how much volume are you training with? Um, and we quantify volume is like the number of sets per muscle group per week. If we're training, most programs don't have the issue of having too little volume. So I think great recommendation for like just the normal average person is anywhere from like six to 15 sets per muscle group per week. And then we kind of look at those two as dials. So you can turn up the intensity dial and turn down the volume dial, or you can turn up the volume dial and turn down the intensity dial. Um, those kind of play off of each other. That's going to be the stress portion of the stress recovery adaptation model. Then we have to look at recovery. Are we recovering well enough? You can apply a stress all you want, but if you can't recover from that stress, you're never going to adapt. Um, recovery is going to come in the form of nutrition, sleep, water intake, stuff like that. So we have to look at both of those. So the second part would be, where's your nutrition at? If you're constantly in a deficit, if you're constantly chasing fat loss, it's going to be really hard to build that physique that you're looking for. And I promise you, I talk about this all the time. One of the things I'm the most passionate about is if you spend time building muscle mass, it is one of the best ways to change your physique outside of losing fat. If you add 10 pounds of muscle to your current frame, you're going to look drastically different. So we need to make sure you don't have to be in a surplus either. You can build muscle at maintenance. Yes, it's going to be a slower process because um, building muscle is a metabolically active process. It takes calories to build muscle. But now, if we look at both of those, is the stress part enough? Are we training hard enough with enough volume? If yes, great, check that off. Then we look at the recovery side. Are we recovering well enough? If yes, if we can check that off too, then we will adapt. And then we just have to continue to pay attention to that. Um, and the way you do that is follow a well-structured program. Done. Yeah. And, and what do you... No, no, I, I love that. And I, I knew you would pretty much like not, you know, cover all those things, which is great. So like you, you pretty much like covered a lot of that. I, I, do, I do want you to, I think it'd be good for you to kind of talk a little bit about like doing too much. Like, you know, like at what point is it like too much? Is it at what point, you know, are we doing like, you know, they say like junk volume and things like that. Like that we're just like doing all these extra workouts. So I've seen a really popular thing on TikTok lately just makes me so angry. It's a, it's a 10 by 10 training. It's like German volume training which is just absolutely wow. ridiculous. Um, kicking your ass in the gym and leaving a workout, just being absolutely destroyed, sweaty, tired, does not mean a good workout. A good workout is going to ensure long-term progress towards the goal that you're training for. So if it's hypertrophy, it's stress recovery adaptation. You can beat the shit out of yourself in the gym. That stress can be so high. You can be having the hardest workouts of your life but if you can't recover from it, you're never going to adapt from it. So when we look at that, um, and this is almost never the issue for people, is I train too hard intensely. I train too close to failure too often. That is almost never the case. Mm -hmm. um, generally, people need to learn that skill of training to failure because it's uncomfortable. It's hard. It sucks. But again, we have to learn that skill. So the issue becomes... Um, either volume, you like you're training with ridiculous amounts of volume. If you're training six days a week and you're training like 20 to 30 sets per muscle group per week, that's going to be really, really hard to recover from no matter how good your nutrition, sleep and all that kind of stuff is like, you only have so many recovery capabilities, like your recovery capacity can only ever get so high. So if you're training above that, no matter how good it is, you're never going to adapt the way that you should. Um, the other end, the biggest issue I see for people is the recovery side of it. Either nutrition sucks, you're constantly in a deficit. So you never, no matter how much you're training, even if you're training with sufficient volume and intensity, you're just never going to be able to recover from it. Because again, it's a very metabolically active process to build muscle. Recovery comes in the form of 
getting enough calories in, sleep, um, the whole whole hormonal problems that come with not getting enough of those things. So we have to look at the recovery side of things, and that's where I see most people go wrong. You can train perfectly, have a great program, but if you're in a deficit, you're eating 1,200 calories, like, girl, you're never going to grow that booty. You're never going to build that muscle mass that you're looking for, change your physique. And that's where um, I actually have a client right now um, who I just posted about the other day. She had, hadn't really been training a ton, but she was also under eating. We've increased her calories to like, I think like she's at 2,300 now. And we, she trains three times a week at planet fitness, nothing special. We're doing very basic things, but she has lost one pound. That's it in almost two months now. But you look at her pictures and she looks drastically different because she spent time finally fueling her body, recovering and pushing herself in the gym. So yeah, the, the biggest thing as far as like overtraining or under recovering generally comes through nutrition or like your sleep just sucks, but nutrition is going to be the biggest driver of that. Yep, absolutely. Well, awesome. I think, you know, we definitely covered a lot on that question and guys just like, it's really important just like you can to realize like you can probably get away with a lot less if you're training properly you can get away with a lot less than you probably think you have to um so just you know this is when like you know work again you know and i'm not again whatever we say this is what it's great to work with a coach it's not where we're not trying to tell you, you need to you have to work with a coach it just takes a lot of this guesswork out of it for you so yeah would encourage the that things as well. that i've gotten like really passionate about is like how can we minimize what we need to do to maximize the results that we get. So like the most, the smallest amount of work we can do to get the biggest result. So like the people who say I'm too busy to work out or I don't have enough time. Like how can we make that not an excuse anymore? And I think we figured out a way to do that really, really efficiently. So if you are struggling with that, like feel free to reach out to one of us. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. I mean, that's a half hour, like within like 10 seconds, right? That was quick. Not too bad. I know. Well, we still have a lot of really, really good questions to hit, but we will say those until next week. Um, guys, if you have any other questions you want to hear intro on the show, you can either shoot us a message or we have a link down in the show notes that you can submit your question to. We would love to answer all of your questions on the show. Um, as you guys have seen and heard, I, I should say heard, um, a lot of these questions are not super complex. And so, I, but I'm also sure you've listened to a lot of these questions. You're like, oh, that's a great question. I was wondering that too. So chances are, if you have a question, a lot of other people are thinking the exact same thing. So definitely submit those questions in and we will get those on the show for you. But anything else, Brevin? No, I think that's it. I think we talked enough. All right, well, we'll, we'll shut up now. We'll get off the air and you guys have a great week. See you guys later. As always, I want to thank you for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast. If you enjoy the show and find it helpful, I'd love it if you would share it on your story so I can thank you for listening and leave a five-star rating review to help the podcast grow and allow me to impact more lives. As always, feel free to reach out with any questions or anything and anyone that you want to see on the show. Thanks again for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast.